Well, we are so thankful to God for our mothers, aren't we? And it's, it's good. It's good to take a day every year to especially focus on moms and to give God thanks for her. I want to share with you uh, the story of Debbie Turner Bell. Um, you may or may not have heard of her. She was an American uh, TV anchor. She was uh, a veteran. She's a veterinarian. She's a talk show host. She was a pageant, a beauty pageant queen, and she was the winner of the 1990 Miss America pageant. She got married at 42, and it wasn't until she was 44 years old that she was able to have a child. And here's what she says. At my age, I thought I knew what true love is. Lord knows my heart has been open and broken many times over the course of my checkered dating past. But I was not prepared in the least For the kind of rapturous, overpowering, all-consuming, feel-it-in-my-bones kind of love that I have for my precious little girl. Something happened during delivery that awakened the mama bear in me. My protectiveness of this child is so fierce, she says, that I would reach down your throat and rip out your kidney without a thought if you were a threat to the health and well-being of my daughter. Now, some of you may think that that's a bit extreme, but if you're a mother, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And hopefully, if you're a father, you also know what I'm talking about. This, this love for our children is something that, that God has given us as parents. And I believe it's because we've been created in the image of God. We understand what that is all about, and I'm going to talk about that more in just a moment. But first, let me tell you about another mother. Uh, ABC News reported that uh, because of the love of an Oklahoma mother who had a fierce love for her newborn baby, uh, she, she did something extraordinary. Her husband had just died of cancer, and she was all alone when she suddenly heard some banging on her door. And she looked through the peephole, and she saw that there were two, knives, or two men with knives at the door trying to break in. And she called 911 and asked for permission to shoot them. <laughs> uh, it's, it's America, right? And uh, the, disp- the dispatcher said, I can't give you permission to, to shoot them, but I can tell you to do whatever it takes to defend yourself. And of course, Oklahoma has what they call the castle law, where nobody can break into your castle. So she got her husband's shotgun and pistol, and when they... When one of the men were, was finally able to break through that door, she, she just cocked the gun and shot him, and he was dead. And the other guy ran away and actually turned himself in after that happened. When asked uh, if she, she would do it again, she said, absolutely, absolutely. And the police called the shooting a justified shooting. So what's the moral of the story here? Don't mess with a mother. Now, I said to you that this is something that God has given every mother, this unconditional love, this love for their children. Unfortunately, we're seeing this this normal, this natural maternal love for children being threatened in our day and age. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says to Timothy about the last days. He says, in the last days, there will be very difficult times where people will love only themselves. Have we ever known a more narcissistic generation or more narcissistic times than now? 
People will be lovers only of themselves and of their money, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, and they will consider nothing sacred. They will be unholy. And then verse 3 says, they will be without natural affection. Now you'll notice that I have got two versions referenced here. And the first two verses is the NLT. But when it came to verse 3, I used the King James Version. And I'll tell you why. Because first of all, the NLT, rather than saying without natural affection, it says they will be unloving. And if you have the ESV, it says they will be heartless. The NIV says they'll be without love. But the KJV, I believe, is the proper and the correct uh, translation of that Greek word, storgi, without natural affection. The Greek word, astorge, means without natural affection. A, meaning without, and storgeo means natural affection. There are seven Greek words for love. You may have uh, thought there were four because C.S. Lewis actually wrote a book called The Four Loves, but in fact there are at least seven words, seven Greek words for love. The word in question here is that word storge, and it is a protective, family-based kind of love that you experience between family members. For instance, you love your dad or your mother despite the mistakes that they have made or might have made while you were growing up. Storge is sometimes thought of as a one-way kind of love. For instance, consider a mother who loves her baby. She will put her hand down your throat and pull out your kidney if you do anything to threaten that baby. But the interesting thing is, is that baby is not aware enough and doesn't understand enough what is going on to return that kind of love. The baby understands that it's being loved, Take a baby away from its mother, and the baby will start crying. That baby is not aware enough to love her back, but that mother loves that baby no matter what. Again, it's a, it's a reflection of the way we were created by our Creator. We have been given this unconditional love. Now, the interesting thing is this. You'd think that we didn't need to discuss this and, and because you'd think that this would be, well, it's natural. It's a natural affection. Do we even need to discuss this? But the fact is, is that nowadays it's not something we can take for granted. This, this storge love is so common to all people that really there was no, uh, no occasion to refer to it except when it was not present. And this is what Paul is talking about here, that this is what was going to happen in the last days. People would be without natural affection, especially in the context of the family, especially in the relationship between a mother and, or father and, and the child. Think about this for a moment. Chris Silkey sent me an interesting graphic this week that shows the number of people being, a number of children being aborted in Canada um, and around the world. 56 million babies are aborted worldwide. And someone did the arithmetic, I don't know if I haven't checked this myself, but 
0.8% of the world population snuffed out because somebody decided they didn't want to have a baby. In Canada, it's between 85 and 100,000 abortions each year. So we're looking at 31 abortions per 100 live births. It's absolutely shocking. And it's, look at this, it's absolutely unnatural. This is what Paul is talking about. This, this uncommon love that a, a mother has for its child is being systematically wiped out. And I'm going to tell you that there are all kinds of reasons why mothers go through an abortion. Sadly, a lot of the time it's just because society, culture, has given them permission to do so. This is a perversion of God's will and God's plan for his creation. You need to understand that. And we as a church need to proclaim that. We need to proclaim what is acceptable and what is unacceptable to God. I was shocked to, to read about Ernest Angley. Some of you may have known him. He was, he was really a big name in the 1970s and 80s. And he had a TV show, a healing show. And it's just coming out now. He just passed away just a day or two ago. And it's just coming out now that there's all kinds of scandal in his church. But one of the big things that was really shocking to me is that he counseled mothers to abort their babies. And families split over this. It was, it was just all, all kinds of problems here. He was counseling men to have vasectomies so that they wouldn't have children. Totally twisted, perverted, totally against God's will. Now, some women and men are of the opinion that motherhood is somehow not a legitimate career, as though being a mother was somehow a second-class calling, less than the best, not a good use of your skills, a good use of your brains, a good use of your talents. This is an unrelenting message for young women today. And if ever the church has needed to stand up and speak the truth to this generation, it is right now. It is so sad that, that even young Christian women are falling under the spell of our, of our culture. No wonder God says that friendship with the world or friendship with the culture is enmity against God. You cannot serve both God and the ideas of our culture. The ideas and the philosophies of our culture set themselves up against the knowledge and the will of God. Now, you may wonder if, you know, Pastor Allen, you're talking about the, the sin and the wickedness of of abortion. Why do we not do more to protest this? Well, the fact is, is that we do protest it, but we protest it according to the teaching and instruction of Scripture. I'm going to tell you that aborting babies is nothing new. In fact, uh, Janet Chow just sent me a, a little picture of a woman who was ready to give birth. She was actually, she was full and she had a little sign pasted to the side of her that said that she's, she could give birth at any day, any moment, but that in her, in her state of Colorado, she could abort that baby 
on that day, on the day that that child was born. And she said that this is a legislature, a, a, a legislative failure. Well, I would go a step further and say it's not just a legislative failure. Again, it is the wickedness of this perverse generation. This is what Jesus said. He said, the world that we live in, the generation that we live in, is wicked and perverse, and we need to take every step to make sure that we understand that we are not citizens of this world. We are citizens of heaven. We have a, a, a different uh, constitution. We talked about that in the Sermon on the Mount. We have a different way of seeing life, a different way of understanding life. And it's critical that you and I are, are committed to the Word of God, to understand the teachings of the Word of God, to understand our doctrine. Because remember, your doctrine shapes your life. That your doctrine determines what you do and what you don't do. So we need to see what is happening in our day as, as it, for what it really is. It's a sign of the end of the times. And it's, in, in some sense, it's, it's nothing new under the sun. We, we know that babies have been aborted for, for millennia. Babies have been put to death in China, especially, you're allowed to have one, one baby. Now, that has thankfully changed because they suddenly recognize that the wisdom of God is greater than the wisdom of the com communist government of China. They thought one child would be the best way to go, and now what they're discovering is that they're running out of babies. They're running out of children. That the, that the next generation will not be big enough to support the aging generation. Understand the wisdom of this world, although it seems so smart, so clever, so ideal, so enlightened, it is twisted by sinful human motives. You need to understand that. And on this Mother's Day, I want to remind not just mothers, but remind each and every one of us of the times that we're living in. And to, to especially appreciate the godly mother the godly father, those who are doing things according to the will of God. So we need to see what's happening in our culture for what it is. It's a sign of the end of the time. And secondly, it is an absolute perversion. It's a perversion of God's plan for his creation. Remember what he said to Adam and Eve, go forth and multiply. That is, that is who we are. That's what we do. That's what we were created to do. Now, I know Bill Gates has got himself all tied up in knots that the, the population of the world is too great, and, and somehow, someway, we've got to put an end to this. And, 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 you know, Bill Gates is the expert, isn't he? He's an expert on everything, but apparently not an expert in marriage. And if he can't even, if he can't even keep his marriage together, how do you expect that he's able to make decisions that affect multitudes, multiplied millions of people? Again, we need to understand what the Scripture says. Let us stop being enamored with the great personalities of our day, the great thinkers, the people with the great ideas, and let's understand that God, God's Word is sufficient. And by the way, His grace is sufficient. So we look to the Word of God for instruction on motherhood. We look to the Word of God for instruction on in how to live our lives. 
And when we see our culture doing that which is unnatural, then we as Christians need to not throw up our hands in despair, but rather double down on our responsibility to preach the gospel. You say, Pastor Ellen, how does preaching the gospel make for better mothers? I'll tell you. When we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, understand that what, what the gospel message does is it shows us a way back into communion with God. But what, what caused the breakdown in this communion with God in the first place? And I'll tell you, Adam and Eve refused to do the will of God. That is the problem with our world. We are rebellious. We are by nature sinful. You've heard of the doctrine of original sin. By nature, we want to do what we want to do. By, by nature, we want to do what seems best in our own eyes. That was the problem of the people in the book of Judges. They did what, was, what seemed right in their own eyes, and you know it ended in disaster. So you and I need to understand that if we're doing whatever we do, it has to be according to the will of God. Because the good news is that when we do things according to the will of God, that's when we know joy, that's when we know peace. That is when we know what Jesus called the abundant life. Eternal life, but abundant life. Rich and abundant, satisfying, right here and right now. I, I, have, I have counseled people over the years. I've counseled families. Uh, wondering, what is God's will for my life? And I said, well, stop, first of all, listening to what the culture tells you. That's going to end in disaster. Understand the power of the gospel, that when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, when Christ gets a hold of your life, when you understand that, that, that you have been born again, that you've been converted, you begin to understand that for you, doing the will of God on earth is the first and the most important thing that you will ever do. That is what comes out of the gospel. Isn't that what Jesus said? If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Die to himself. Take up his cross and follow me. So listen, when you and I, if you want to be a great mother, I'm talking to the mothers now, if you want to be a great mother, what you need to do is is get into the Word of God. You can read books on being a great mother, but first of all, you need to get into the Word of God because this is the book you really need to read because it teaches you what it is to surrender to God, to do things God's way. It teaches you that you will, you will know God's leading and direction in your life if you stop leaning on your own understanding. Isn't that what, what the writer of Proverbs said? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. This is what it means to be surrendered to God. We don't do what we want to do. We do what God wants us to do. I'm going to tell you, it's not as difficult as you may think. Remember, we created, we people who are created in the image of God, and especially you mothers now, you have this natural affection. And same with the fathers. You have this natural affection. You know how to love your baby. You know, instinctively, you know how to care for your children. 
I want to just draw your attention to a very, very special woman in the Old Testament. It's a woman that not a lot of people know about. But she is important, and you'll see why in just a moment. I would say she's one of the first heroes. She's not the first hero, but she's one of them. She's among the first heroes. In fact, she uh, is supposed to be buried with the matriarchs of Israel in Tiberias. Her name is Jochebed, and it means glory of Jehovah. She took her job as a mother very seriously. Let me just quickly tell you the story. Israel, through Joseph, came to Egypt because of the great famine in the world. You remember that? Jacob and his sons and his grandchildren and all his belongings, all his wealth, they all moved into Egypt. And they, they were blessed in that land under Joseph. But as time went by, and as it so often does, <laughs> the new pharaoh forgot all about Joseph. He didn't know Joseph, and consequently didn't understand or know the relatives of Joseph. So it wasn't long before the children of Israel came under terrible, terrible domination. And... And Pharaoh was, was very paranoid that these people could rise up at any moment. These people who are living within their borders could rise up at any minute and take over the land and take over the leadership of the country. And so Pharaoh gave this order, Exodus chapter 1, verse 22. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, throw every newborn Hebrew boy, into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. Well, something similar was happening in China, wasn't it? And actually around the world, it's not just China, where families wanted more boys than girls, and so little girls would be left to die. But in this case, it's the other way around. Why? Because Pharaoh was afraid that the Hebrews would come of age and rise up and take over the land. Well, Jochebed, she heard the law, she heard the rule, and when she became pregnant, she gave birth to a son, but because she feared God, she refused to kill her baby. She refused to throw her son into the Nile River. Through Jochebed, God brought into this world Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, three prominent godly leaders in Israel's history. Moses became what some would call the greatest, one of the greatest national leaders of all time and one of the great legislators the world has ever known. Aaron became Israel's first high priest and the founder of the Aaronic priesthood. Miriam was the gifted poetess and musician and she, of course, was closely connected to her two brothers, Moses and Aaron. Well, you know the story. Pharaoh says, kill the little boys. Jochebed says, no way, I'm not listening to Moses. This would be a grave sin. And what she does is she creates a little basket, a little, actually it's a little ark made with pitch and tar and straw. And she put the baby in the basket and laid the basket among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. 
She sent Miriam along, Moses' sister, older sister, obviously, and told her to stand at a distance and watch. Watch for little baby Moses. Soon, Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along with her, and lo and behold, they found the basket among the reeds. And the Bible says, so she sent her maid off to get it for her. And when the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. And she said, this must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister, Miriam, approached the princess and said, should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me. The princess told the baby's mother, I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him and got paid for it on the side. Pretty good deal, wasn't it? Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. And the princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Now, I'd like the Spirit of God to speak to you right now. Because I know for some, for some of us, we, we are, are terrified in, in the context of our present culture and what we're seeing happening in our culture. We're terrified to do the right thing. We're afraid of being canceled. We're afraid of being shut down. We're afraid of being ridiculed, of being uh, held up for ridicule, of being singled out as being different. Can I just remind you that we are not like the world? We don't operate, we don't function the way the world does. And this is Jochebed. She's, she's, she's not a, an Egyptian. And she doesn't see human life as something cheap. To be thrown into the river when it's not wanted or when, when told to. I really question those women who under Reverend, the so-called Reverend Ernest Angley, I question these women giving in to his instruction to abort their baby. These women are not under the control and the direction of God. These, are, these women are under the control of ungodly humans. Jochebed, when she became pregnant and gave birth, here's what she said. This woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. Listen, some of you mothers have got a really tough task. Some children are compliant. Some children uh, really live up to the, to the moniker special baby. And some don't, let's face it. But isn't it wonderful that Jochebed looked at her son. She didn't know what he would turn out to be. She had no idea that he, would, he was destined to become the great Moses. She had no idea, but she looked at that baby and felt in her heart, this is a special baby. That is natural affection. That is a normal reaction of any mother. Now, the problem is, is that these babies do grow up, and sometimes these babies don't end up doing what we want them to do. Can I remind you that before Moses was the leader of Israel, he was a murderer. A lot of people don't know that. 
In fact, it was, that was the reason why he fled Egypt and went out into the wilderness. He, he killed an Egyptian who was, who was tormenting one of the Hebrews. Wow. When she looked at that little baby, I'm sure she didn't think, well, this little boy's going to grow up to be a murderer. No, not at all. She saw him as a special baby. She saw potential in that child. And this is what every mother needs to, needs to see in her child. Regardless of what that child is going through right now, you need to look at your child and see your child as special, as having great potential to serve God and to do great things for God. This was Jochebed. She had a natural affection. She, was, she would rather risk her own life than allow her son to be killed. That's what natural affection is. A mother does not give up on her child. A mother continues to believe in her child. A, her, a mother will do everything in her power to make sure that her child looks to God. The mother of Moses is an excellent example of what a mother should be. I can I just tell you, history, history might have been very different. If Moses' mother had a fierce love that defied the authority of the most powerful government and the most powerful man on the earth at that time, then you and I can stand up against the powers of our culture, the powers that be, and we can do the right thing. Listen, when you and I make a decision to obey God and to do his will rather than the will of the culture, that's when God is able to do great and mighty things. And I want the Spirit of God to speak to you right now because this is not just for mothers. This is for all of us. Jochebed is an example to all of us, men and women and children alike. We need to be prepared to do the will of God every time. That's what moment-by-moment holiness is. It's not doing my will, it's doing the will of God. And when you and I do the will of God, that's when God does great things in our world and in our culture. Now, for those of us in the West, we've had it pretty good over the last hundreds of years because the culture was not hostile to the church or to the gospel or to the church as it is now. And so it's a new day and it's a new age for us, but God is calling us to stand up and be the kind of people that do the will of God. That don't take the easy route. That, that are willing to be like Jochebed and stand up against Pharaoh, stand up against the armies of Pharaoh and say, I refuse to do what you tell me to do. It's no wonder that Moses, when he got to the right age, he too then was able to stand up against Moses. He learned it from his mother. It's Moses that went to Pharaoh and challenged Pharaoh, just as Jochebed challenged Pharaoh when Moses was just a baby. Think about the power of a mother's example. I don't think it's a coincidence that this Jochebed, who, is, who rebelled against the powers that be, raised a son who then would also rebel against the powers that be in favor of doing God's will. It's a powerful powerful lesson for us. So here it is. In these last days, we need mothers to rise up and to refuse to give in to what the culture and the government says. And that's, that's the examples mothers must set for the children. 
It's time for us as Christians to stand up and be counted, to stand up and do the will of God in these wicked and evil days. Mothers, be mothers. Be, be the kind of mothers that, that the Bible describes. Your kids still need you. Don't ever give up on them. I'm, I'm 59 years old, and I am so thankful for my parents that, that still want to take care of me, still want to care for me, still pray for me, still call me, still want to know if I'm doing okay. And never apologize for being a mother if, you're, if you are a mother and you're not a career girl. And never let anyone tell you that you're a second-class citizen because you've chosen to be a mom that stays at home with your children. And if you're a mother that works, don't apologize for putting your children first because that is your calling. That's the first and most important thing that you do if you're a mom. This is what the Scripture says. I, I'm full, fully aware, even as I say it, I hear it through the... I, I'm listening to my words through the ears of, of an atheist or somebody who doesn't love God, and I hear that these words are, are offensive. Can I remind you that the Word of God is an offense? It, it's terribly offensive. But we are Christians that have chosen to obey God, and we understand that God's ways are higher than our ways. So in, in conclusion, let me just share this with you. It's not a coincidence that God helps us understand who he is by comparing himself to a mother. Listen to what he says through the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 66, 23. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. Did you see that? As a mother, so will I. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. The godly mother is like God, loving and comforting her children unconditionally. Which brings me back to that original Greek word, storge. Storge, a one-way love. A mother loving her baby before the baby is even aware enough to love her back. That's how God loves us. We are so ignorant. We are sometimes so immature. But I want you to know today how much God really does love you and care about you. And even when you fail him, and even when you don't, when you don't uh, rise up and, and, and be the child that you should be, God's love continues unconditionally. And I'm going to say this. It's godly mothers that help us understand this great love. Mothers teach us what God's love is because they love us so often the way God does. I want to say thank you, mothers, for taking your calling seriously. But I don't want to end what I'm saying this morning by focusing on moms. I want to focus on God. I want you to see today how much God truly loves you. And I want you to understand today that you can come to him in whatever state, whatever condition you may be in, and he will, he will receive you. If we come to him and confess our sins, he will in no wise cast us out. He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So I, I'm asking you today, come to Jesus and allow him 
to touch your heart. Allow Him to wash away your sin. Allow Him to draw close to you. And understand this, that if you repent of your sin, if you return to Him, He will embrace you. Even as the father embraced the prodigal son, the prodigal son who turned his back on his family, turned his back on God. When that prodigal son returned, his father threw his arms around him, loved him and kissed him and cared for him, restored him to his rightful place in the family. That's what our God does. Thankfully, we have some godly mothers who love us in the same manner. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for our mothers. We pray, O oh God, that in these last days that we would rise up and be the people you've called us to be, to allow that natural affection that is born in every one of us created in the image of God, that we'd allow that natural affection to to lead us and, and guide us and help us as we care for our children. And Father, for those of us who are not mothers today, again, help us, we pray, to reflect God in a broken world that we would be, again, loving, loving unconditionally those who fail us and let us down. God, we thank you now that you are a God who loves us like a mother. Thank you for the comfort that you give us. And we commit ourselves to you now in Jesus' name, thanking you. Amen. God bless you. And I just want to say again, in these evil days, make sure you stand up and say, Lord, I want to do your will on earth as it is in heaven. Because that is what reflects somebody who is truly converted. God bless you. Amen.